0: I really hate to break this up because that sounds so good that That sounds like my family when I was growing up uh, when we would all get to grandma 's house it was we would all go to church together, and after church, we were all going back to my grandmother 's house, and we would all stand around the church building for thirty or forty minutes. When we were going home together so i loved I love to hear that um, so many of you don't know me, and i don't know many of you, even though i've been attending here um, I, i've been attending I, I guess i'm done <laughs> uh, <so laughs> what was i saying oh I, I i've been attending here on and off for about ten years, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm the husband of Janice. We've been dating for 50 years, since 10th grade. I'm the daddy of Josh. I was in graduate school the second time when Josh was born, and so I was pretty much raising Josh the first three and a half years of his life while Janice worked. And to this day, Josh is still my best friend. Uh, So that's enough about me. Uh, it's a little bit different sermon today. I, I hope you'll be blessed, uh, but it, it's about thin places. The Celts had a saying that the distance between heaven and earth is about thirty is about three feet. Now they didn't mean thirty six inches. They meant heaven and earth are very very close together. And um, I guess the best definition I've heard for thin places is when the distance between heaven and earth collapses. And there are stories in the Bible about thin places. I'm going to touch on a couple of them today. In the Western world, we, we have a great delineation between the spiritual and the physical. And I'm not bagging on you, Carrie, but when Carrie talks about spiritual warfare and being involved in exorcism, And, and I believe that I've seen that, but our Western ears kind of think, geez, Carrie, what have you been smoking? Because we, we don't look at things the way the rest of the world does, but it's very real. The spiritual world is very real. And, um, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples this morning, um, Kind of my earliest experience with the concept of thin places comes from my grandfather. he believed very strongly in hebrews twelve one and two keep loving each other as brothers, do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so some have entertained angels without knowing it. Now that's a reference to Genesis eighteen with Abraham and the three the the appearance of Jesus in the form of three men. They call that what, a theophany, I believe that's the big word for it. But my grandfather was known throughout the very small town of Sheffield, Alabama, very northwest corner of the state. He was known as a very generous, a very hospitable man. Um, and one time, the Greyhound bus coming through Sheffield, Alabama, broke down. And my grandfather's house would sleep 21 people in beds. And so the Greyhound bus broke down, and they were told, contact Bob Mitchell. He'll have room for everyone. And so everyone in the bus was taken to my grandfather's house where I grew up much of my early life. And everybody slept in a bed that night. And that was just the kind of, that was the way my grandfather was. Um, And so that was a thin place in his life. Uh, you never know when you're going to entertain one of God's angels, so be hospitable. The first one I want to look at this morning is in 2 Kings chapter 6. Um, have you seen the new Bible app that's out? Have it's amazing. It's, they've got them now bound and printed. <laughs> so much better than the other ones that you have on your phone. So if you have one of the new ones, or you're still stuck in the old way, um, we're going to be in Second Kings chapter 6. And I don't have time to unpack much of this this morning, but Ben-Hadad is the king of Aram. And he's at war with Jehoram, the king of Israel. And he keeps sending his troops out to capture Jehoram, the king of Israel. And every time he thinks he has him cornered, he gets there and he's empty-handed. Once again, Jehoram has escaped the king of Aram. And so in verse 12, Ben Hadad is enraged and he wants to know which of his men are telling Jehoram what's going on. Who's the spy in the camp? Who has the loose lips? And they all reply, none of us. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the very words you speak in your bedroom. So he orders them to find out where Elisha is so he can capture him. Now think about that. That's not on the slide yet. We'll get to the slide. Elisha knows the very words you say in your bedroom, and he orders them to find out where he is. Now I'm not on the intellectual level of Einstein or Wallace Clausen. That's Don's father. If you've not read the book, Missile Man, you need to get the book and read it. Fascinating story. I'm not on that level, but I think I can see through this. If Elisha knows everything that's going on and he says, find out where he is, don't you think Elisha kind of knows that they're going to find out where he is? (laughs) I mean, evil can be kind of stupid. So, long story short. They find Elisha in the town of Dothan and Ben-Hadad sends his armies and they go by night and they surround the city because he still thinks he can pull off a surprise attack on the prophet that knows every move he makes and every thought he has. So, on the screen or in your Bible, we read, The report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sends a great army and many chariots and horses to surround the city. Now, I don't know what a great army constitutes, but it doesn't take a lot to outnumber two guys, (laughs) Elisha and Gehazi. And so the great army shows up, and when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside, and there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. And he cries out to Elisha, oh, sir, what do we do now? Next slide. And Elisha says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And Elisha prayed, "O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hills, uh, the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. That's a fascinating story. What do we do now? I mean, if you've got a plan, I'd like to know what the plan is. What do we do? And Elisha says, don't be afraid. There are more on our side than there are on theirs. And Gehazi must be thinking, you haven't been to Starbucks this morning yet, have you? Because I don't know what you're seeing, but this is a bad situation. Wake up, Elisha. They're everywhere. And notice the Elisha's prayer, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. He doesn't pray, God, help us. He doesn't pray, God, destroy the enemy. He doesn't pray, God, can you change the situation? He doesn't pray, God, could you possibly intervene here? And he certainly doesn't say, God, would you send chariots of fire He says, would you open the eyes of my servant? You know, Paul would later write, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's going on right here. And what I want you to get out of this story is God did not send angelic armies to surround the city of Dothan at the request of Elisha. The armies of God were already in place. They were already there. Gehazi just needed to see, just beyond what he could see. And we are so desperate at times, we need to know that God is working on our behalf beyond just where I can see. He's already there, and that's his prayer. Second one is in Daniel chapter 10, another fascinating thin place. Um, Give you a little bit of background Daniel has had a vision and for three weeks he prays and he fasts for understanding of the vision. And after three weeks he falls into a trance and an angel, we assume from chapter 8, it's Gabriel, an angel speaks to Daniel and he says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer." But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So what Carrie's talked about, the, 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 the spirit, the demon world that's very active. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia has blocked my way. Now think about that just for a second. 21 days of constant fighting between two beings that cannot be killed. One evil, one good. 21 days, over 500 hours of consistent battle. And finally, God sends Michael, the archangel, to intervene so that the Gabriel, the angel, can go and see Daniel. And it says, Um, where was I? I came to help and I left him there with the spirit prince, the king of Persia. And now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And the Bible says that that Daniel could not take a breath and he collapsed and fainted. Isn't it interesting that he would fearlessly stand before lions but he can't catch his breath in front of an angel. I have a friend that loves angels, and she has angel pins and angel this and that, and I, uh, you really don't get the idea of angels, do you? They're, they're not the little cherub things. Uh, no one has ever, no human being has ever stood in the presence of an angel of God. Every case we have, they fall to the ground. They collapse. So here's Daniel, he collapses. What I want you to see in this vision is that while Daniel is trying to figure out the vision, there's a warfare going on in heaven. And it's a standoff between God, the good, and the bad angel. The bad angel is never going to win. But there is a standoff at this point in time. And there are times in our lives when that just seems to happen. Things just don't seem to have, We're praying for God to intervene, God to do something. And we have no idea what's going on around us in the heavenly vision. But I want you to think about what's going on in our nation today. I want you to imagine the spiritual battles that are taking place in the heavenly places right now because of what's going on around the world. No wonder Paul would later write, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities and the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's not just Bible talk. That's reality. That's reality. And I guess if I, I'm going to go off down a little rabbit trail for a second, but see beyond the media, see beyond today's media. This nation survived a war between the states, 680,000 dead. This nation survived 1969 through 1974. Do you remember that? There were... Constant terrorist bombings in this nation. Molotov cocktails were being thrown everywhere at everything. Fire bombings, or five bombings a day. Five bombings a day for 18 months in the United States of America. There were 33 hijackings in one year during that period. On the University of Kansas campus, I I forgot if it was 18 or 30-some-odd sticks of dynamite were found. Police funerals were being bombed. ROTC offices being bombed. It was a very horrible time in this nation. And and the doomsday prophets filled the streets, filled the pulpits, filled the airways, but we survived. Things have been worse than they are now. There's a book or a, a group of guys... They've compiled the history of wars. They've looked at every conflict in the world since 2,000 years before Jesus was born up until 2018. And there's a very interesting statistic that comes from that. There are fewer wars and armed conflicts now than in any other time in recorded history. So why are we so afraid? Well, in nineteen sixty-four, sixty-nine. There was a 30-minute newscast in the evenings, right? They had to cover national news, international news, weather, and sports in 30 minutes. Today, we have 24-7, 365 days of news coverage. And what the media is doing, and the only way they can keep us watching, is to keep us frightened, to keep the anxiety levels up, to keep us angry, to keep us upset to keep us feeling marginalized marginalized, and mistreated. And so we feed on the channels that feed that fear. If you're on the left side politically, you've got your channels. And if you're on the right side politically, you've got your channels. And we keep feeding that fear. Because the politicians know that the only way they can gain power, regain power, and keep power is if they can keep us afraid, and somehow convince us that they are the ones that have the solution to our problems. It's been much worse, and I want you to know this. This world has never been our home, so don't buy into the fear. God is on his throne. Jesus is still the king, and team Jesus wins in the end. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the point I want you to get from this lesson, and I'm almost done, but we're going to have a ministry moment afterwards. Here's the point I want you to get. The eye of faith has to learn to see what we who are locked in a physical world are not seeing. Children have a natural faith. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like this little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Children have a natural faith. I remember when our daughter Jessica was just a little kid. And one day she was coming out of her bedroom, and she just flattened herself against the wall. And I said, Honey, what's going on? And she said, God's coming out of my room. (laughs) And she had been in her room talking with God. You know, I was a pastor at the time, and I'm thinking, I wished I had that kind of faith. I wished I had that relationship with God. But children do that. But as we get older, we lose that faith. And and our eyes to see the spiritual get kind of dim. Matter of fact, human beings have a very limited vision in the animal world. You know, birds can see your emotions. Birds can see an aura about you. They can see different colors that we don't see in our visual spectrum. Birds can empathize with... Your emotions. Uh, I have a friend that used to, he he used to raise uh, rescue parrots and his wife had an operation and the rescue parrot that they had couldn't stand his wife because parrots get very territorial. Couldn't stand his wife because she was, uh, well, the bird loved my friend so much and she was the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? She was the, not the enemy, but yeah yeah it's what competition it's part of growing up in the south and not being able to remember words <laughs> but anyway during her re, during her recovery this parent that couldn't stand her would come into the bedroom and would lie down right where she had had the the illness and stayed there till she was recovered and then took up hating her again <laughs> it's interesting Uh, By the way, one reason it's hard to catch a bird is because the way they see. Uh, As fast as you move, they see your hand moving in very slow motion. And so they just get away from you. So they see things differently. We don't see the way other beings in God's creation can see. So I've got to develop spiritual eyes. So where do you stumble on thin places? Well, quite honestly... I think we had one this morning in worship, don't you? Didn't you just sense the presence and the Spirit of God? And I was telling Joe, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, But we find thin places in the birth of a child, a grandchild, the death or the dying of a saint, ask any hospice nurse, baptism, worship, Prayer, meditation on God's word, communion, just coming together. Just coming together. Being compassionate with others. Some people find thin places in mountains, some on the ocean, some in the forest, some in meadows. I I found it for years in camping. I love to camp. Playing with small children. Ran into Sal Hamby. Some of you know Sal, he used to play guitar. Uh, here when it was Chorus Church. And if I could play guitar like Sal, I would never want to play any better than that. He's just a fabulous guitarist. But I ran into Sal and his wife yesterday at um, Sam's Club. And his grandson, Nikki Nico, no, it's Nico, uh, his grandson had been in a horrible motorcycle accident in Arizona uh, and <clears throat> broke multiple bones. His legs were just a mess. Every bone in his foot was crushed and broken, and and none of the bones in his feet were where they were supposed to be. He had skull injuries. He was put in a medically induced coma for six weeks, and um, the doctor came out and said, if this is good, and if your grandson were in in good condition, uh, and we had hope for his survival, and this is it, your grandson is about right here. And he bent down and put his hand just above his foot. And Sal said, our hopes just sank. But God showed up in so many different ways. He had 17 surgeries while he was in a coma. And he finally came home. He's walking again. And he said it might be a year before he gets all of his cognitive uh, faculties back. But here's the fascinating thing. They were looking at all the damage to his body, broken ribs and the neurosurgery and all the jaw and everything, just a mess. And the the, uh, doctor came in and he said, you know, with all the surgeries we've done, we just kind of ignored his foot. Matter of fact, they considered just cutting his foot off. But they said, we kind of ignored the foot because that seemed to be the least important thing. And he said, in all my years of practicing, I've never seen this. But he said, We did an x ray on his foot, and every bone in his foot was perfectly aligned, and they were all fusing together again, exactly like it would have done had we done the surgery. And they weren't even sure they could fix his foot. He said, I don't know how to explain that. And Sal said, We know how to explain that. That's a thin place. God wants to walk with us. God wants to talk with us. He wants to engage with us. Through his Holy Spirit, he wants to be with us daily. How do you find that? Well, as I get older through thin places, seeing that distance between heaven and earth collapsing, because my faith is bolstered when I experience thin places. So the message this morning is not here's five ways to open your spiritual eyes or anything of that nature. My message this morning is just open your eyes. And there may be some of you that need to see beyond your circumstances right now. Maybe you need to open your eyes to what God's doing on your behalf. And there may be some of you that have some thin places that you could share with us that would just put some icing on the cake this morning, if in fact it were a cake. So Joe, I'm going to ask you to come up, and I'm going to close us in prayer. I'm not close us, but I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then Carrie's going to give us an opportunity for just some ministry moments this morning. So if you have a thin place in your life that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear about it. And if you have circumstances in your life that we can pray for you this morning and we can ask God the same prayer that Elisha asked for Gehazi, Lord, open their eyes because God is at work on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the worship this morning. What an awesome thought that your spirit is right here. And we believe that. We thank you for that. Father, thank you for thin places. Thank you for being there beyond what we can see and know. And thank you for helping us to walk in faith. I pray this morning that you would help us open our spiritual eyes. That you would help us to see what's already in place on our behalf. Father, bless this church. Bless this church as we step out in faith going into a new facility, hopefully to be more engaged in the community as your touch point for the kingdom. Give Carrie confidence, and as he's leading us through this, Father, open his eyes to the thin places. But bolster our faith, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing on our behalf, in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: They would uh, get ready to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. Where I just share a little bit, and then we're going to pray together. We're going to sing. You can just come forward now, it's fine. I don't know about you, but it's hard to believe that we're in the middle of the summer. Is life running fast for you? Every day, full, full of activity, full of challenges, sometimes full of great wins. But it's really easy to do what Greg led us in, and that is to not look at the thin places of the presence of the Lord that's near and dear in our life. And I want to encourage you this morning to do as he exhorted us, to open our eyes. So what situation are you carrying that you're carrying all by yourself, trying to figure it out? Maybe a situation that uh, you don't think God's presence has touched much. What would the Lord be saying to you from His Word, from His presence, to be able to minister His grace and His strength to you? Some of you may recall a few months back maybe now, We were doing a series through the book of Philippians and we were talking about Paul saying that he was in chains for Christ. Do you remember that? I share with you about a friend of mine who I've known for a long time from a hometown, helped disciple him. and God really began to use his life, but uh, the corporation that he was helping lead found itself being raided by the government. And he unknowingly found out that his... CEO the owner had been embezzling money and there was corruption it's true and uh, he got caught up in that was accused yeah there was some lack of oversight he probably should have given to find things out but he was facing serious time possibly in prison five kids two others that they adopted from Ethiopia Really big kingdom heart, giving generous to so many ministries, sitting on so many ministry boards. All of us looked at him as somebody that, man, God is really horsepowering up and using his life. Maybe some of you remember that story. And he sent me an email. We'd corresponded about what God was doing in his life as he was facing this. And he decided to do a plea deal because he was encouraged that'd be the best route to go. And he and his wife and his family and friends, they were, we were all hoping that he would be able to face just some probation time. Waited a year for a sentencing, basically. Got an email this week. First line. Things went worse than we could ever have comprehended. All the letters kids did a video. For whatever reason, the judge chose to throw him in prison, facing 57 months. He said, you know, it was hard. He says so many questions, don't know what we're facing. He said, it was strange though, I'm sitting in the courtroom and whether it's because the judge thought he or she'd make him another example of the badness of corporate corruption, and it was shown, and even by prosecutors and others, that he was unaware of what was happening to make a case of him, or whether it was because of these other things that had come about that he uh, felt that he's being persecuted for his faith because he had such a vibrant witness. You'd probably never know. 50 people gathered at his home the night before, praying, opening their eyes to see God. God's going to work in the sentencing tomorrow. And they got there, and it went worse than they could ever comprehend it. Where do you see the thin place at in those kinds of situations in your life? But he said as he was sitting there in that courtroom, and he saw the direction it was headed, The judge basically making all the points of the prosecutor before the prosecutor even spoke. Standing up saying, thank you, judge, for making all my points. I have two more to add. He turns and his wife's losing. And he said, you know, he says, I don't know how to explain it. But there was a peace that came over me in that moment. And is hanging with me, even though the uncertainty of what this means for our family moving forward just kept saying, it's okay. It's going to be all right. It's okay. My friend Dan this last week saw a thin place even in the midst of things going really bad and him being uncertain about a journey of almost five years that he's going to be in prison. We don't like to look at those. We'd like to say, hey, He got off on probation. God's faithful to those who are faithful to him. We don't understand always what God's faithfulness means to us. His ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. But you can be guaranteed of this from these two examples of scripture that were shown today. The presence of God is near. How many days did Daniel pray? Twenty-one. But there was a battle going on. Elisha, I love that, Greg, when you said he didn't, he didn't need to call for troops. They were already there. What's your situation? So We're going to come back and sing this song after a little while to close about the Holy Spirit's presence. But we want to have a prayer time now. If you are one standing in the need of seeing the eyes opened in your life concerning a situation that you don't know where God's at. We want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you're at. And then we're going to have some people that are around you, if that's okay, just lay their hands on you. And we're just going to pray in little pockets around this room. Are you standing in the need Of seeing a thin place. Just stand right now. Amen. Others. Yes. You really need to see how God's working. Because right now, you're not so sure. Amen. Others. Maybe you're carrying a deep burden for a friend and you would like to intercede on their behalf. It's been a heavy burden. Maybe you can just stand for them today. But they need to see the Lord.